Today's episode is brought to you by Products by Lizzie. If you have sensitive skin, dry skin, or just like stuff that smells really, really good, you got to check out Products by Lizzie. My daughter has really, really bad eczema, and right now our life is like that Lady Gaga meme. Like, you know, the one where she's like, club, another club, no sleep. Our life is like, pool, another pool, splash pad, another pool, no sleep. And it has really, uh, really taken a toll on my daughter's skin. But the soap and the lotion that we have gotten from Products by Lizzie has really, really helped. We are so excited. She has everything that you could want for your skin from bar soap, body wash, essential oil, and the yummiest smelling shea butter cream that I've ever smelled. We got the vanilla cheesecake one. It is heaven. And lately, I've been trying to make an effort in my life to buy from small businesses, to support black-owned businesses, and I'm so happy to give Products by Lizzie my business, and I couldn't be more thrilled from what we've tried so far. If you would like to try them for yourself, go to ProductsByLizzie.com and use my code WANNACHAT for 10% off. Again, that's promo code WANNACHAT for 10% off. And seriously, I'm telling you, buy the vanilla cheesecake shea butter. You'll thank me later. All right, now on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the I Just Want to Chat podcast. I'm Mary, and guys, we have a really good show today. I'm so excited. Today, we are joined by Michelle Burnett from Honeymoon Always, and we are going to talk about everything Brittany, which is a bummer. I wish that we didn't have anything to chat about. I wish that Brittany was just living her free life, having babies, doing what she wants, but there was a lot to discuss about her court hearing from last Wednesday, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about HBO's show Starstruck, and we are also going to talk about the three MLM pitches that you will meet in hell and, you know, just kind of hash it out, figure out how to get out of them when you are approached by somebody that wants to lead you by the hand to financial freedom, um, which really just means they want you to sell their laundry detergent for them. So anyway, stay tuned. It's a good show. All right, everybody, we are in for a treat. I'm so excited. We are here today with Michelle Burnett, who is my longtime friend, longtime internet friend, old TMZ colleague. That's a joke, kind of. One time, Michelle used to do TMZ interview things or like corresponding fan things, whatever, on their show. And then I did it once through her referral. Anyway, we're colleagues. But um, this is Michelle. She's from the blog Honeymoon Always. You can find them on Instagram and on YouTube. And not only does she know all things about travel and how to do it right, she is equally as outraged about the Britney situation as I am. I, so, Michelle, me, how are you? I'm good. I am outraged, but I, I am good. I'm so excited to be here. But yeah, I will tell you, you know, so we, um, we recently moved to Portugal and um, Brittany's full transcripts came out at about one in the morning, our time. And I stayed up for an hour to read them all and then rage text my friends, including you, that yes. this was a ridiculous situation. So I'm, I'm grateful to have this outlet. We could talk about it. I like I was going to write an outline and then I was like, I don't even know where to begin. So I'm going to begin by saying that I would assume that most people listening right now have a basic level knowledge, a base level knowledge of what's going on with the conservatorship. And I think that we're just going to talk about the statement. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. And if you don't, then there is a post in the I Just Want to Chat Facebook group. Yes, that is clickbait. In the I Just Want to Chat Facebook group, there's a post <laughs> that um, details the conservatorship. And then there's also like the Hulu documentary. But I would assume... That if you're into a podcast like this, you probably, you know, are familiar. Good things aren't happening um, to Brittany. And we really learned that 
on Wednesday when she gave her testimony in court over the phone. Um, so Michelle, if you were to have one number one takeaway other than outrage, I mean, it tied up in outrage, but what was the most shocking revelation you think in the, the statement? I think the most shocking statement that she made was that she's forced to have an IUD um, and that she's not allowed to have children. And what is unbelievably shocking about this is just how overwhelmingly controlling this is. And and Mm -hmm. of course it's all tied up together, but along with the fact that they're forcing her to work and forcing her to make money and forcing her to pay, not only for her legal counsel, but the legal counsel for her opposing people, mm-hmm. she's paying absolutely everybody, the people who are there making an effort to keep her in the conservatorship. She's got no control over anything and she felt trapped. And so she just kind of did what the good little thing to do was. Actually, one thing that I found really impactful was when she referred to her body as her one precious body. And she said, yes. I've been doing the most with my one precious body. And like, she should get to have a say in what she does with herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the idea that there are people who are continuing to benefit off of this idea that she's well enough to do all the performing that she's been doing and all the work that she's been doing, but not well enough to decide how she spends her time and her money and it, in any capacity that she doesn't have any control over that is unbelievable. It's so baffling. And I feel like I mean, my mind, I'm just full of a bunch of how is this happening? How is this happening? How is this happening? This is so shocking thoughts. The the number one, other than the IUD thing that was shocking to me was the lithium of it all. Yes. When she said that, because like, I mean, I forget even like why I'm aware of, I'm sure most people are like aware of like lithium, the drug and stuff, but I watched some kind of documentary where they had been drugging somebody with lithium and I like had seen this is a bad reference because I don't even know what I'm referencing but anyway it was a shocking to me because that is like a hell of a drug you know yeah and well, she says like I felt drunk to be yeah it, it's and it's also known historically used, yes <laughs> to, to, to be the the drug that they use to to suppress women so yeah and like it's just an out-of-date drug yes like yes. it's like, I don't think it's something that's commonly used. I'm not a doctor nor a mental health professional, nor have I ever been on lithium, but <laughs> I don't think that it's um, commonly prescribed anymore. Like, cause there's so many other things that they can do that don't leave you feeling drunk all the time. And I feel like the lithium like answered so many questions for me. I agree. I, I feel like, especially along with the with the documentary, it's so clear that like what she wants is a family and love and children. Like that's what mm-hmm. she wants. And for them to obviously be holding time with her own children against her, you know, that's a that's a bargaining chip, and that's something that they've been able to like prevent from her. Um, if you follow the account Dumois. I saw mm-hmm. some um, some accounts of people who like saw her at like the beach in Maui and she was only allowed to have very supervised visits for one hour with her children and then she had to go back inside. And that's been happening for 13 years. Like she has been unable to even have a normal relationship with her own children because of this conservatorship. 
and they're not preventing her, or they're preventing her from being able to even have normal access to any future children because they are requiring that she has this IUD. It's it's all sorts of bonkers. Yeah, I just so much of it is exactly what you said. The fact that she is employing so many people has no agency over her body. A question that I had was how is she even, I mean, I'm glad that she's keeping up a relationship, even though I cannot, I'll admit, I can't get a read on the guy. I used to just think that he was like clinging to her fame. And then I found out that he's actually like legitimately a working actor. Oh, but news to me. <laughs> well, he's like on that, like new HBO show hacks. Like oh, he's on. Great. Yeah. Like I was, I was kind of shocked that like he has been in some stuff. And then like with the free Britney shirt that he was wearing, I was like, okay, so maybe he's not in on it, but how could he be in a relationship with someone if he's not in on it or with her, if he's not in on it, how would they let him around? I don't know how they're letting him around. I don't know. I don't know how anyone would allow that, which I think is a good question. But if I can read into something without absolutely any evidence, just based off, just based off of like my own relationship, it, it, I kind of imagine that maybe he has been someone who's been pushing her to be a little bit more educated about her options and mm-hmm. pushing her to have the confidence to have the voice and privately supporting her and not in a way where he's, he, he doesn't seem like a fame whore at all. Like he's never on her Instagram in any sort of like braggy way. Um, he's, he seems to be more or less like just behind the scenes with her and maybe that's the team and maybe that's the who knows what that is but um it just seems interesting to me that finally she's gaining a voice in this area and um I know that there are ways that like my husband has helped me to like recognize ways that I was not treating myself well or being treated mm-hmm. well and and so you know again this is 100% speculation I have no idea but I mean I wonder if he's contributing to the positive change that's happening yeah, of course we can, um, like, we could only hope that he is genuine and he has great intentions. I, and maybe, maybe it is some kind of situation where he went in there with, with the cooperation of Brittany's camp and the people who are controlling her and stuff. And like, maybe they, he was in there playing along and then he's realized how effed up it all is. And now he's like kind of changed his tune, but I don't know. I feel like I need to learn a lot, a lot more about him and figure out. But I mean, the fact that Brittany wants to be with him and Brittany's like, I hate my dad. I hate my management. I hate everybody around me, but I do want to just marry my boyfriend. And I just like want to drive in a car with my boyfriend and I want to do this. And I want to have kids with my boyfriend that I guess reads positively to me. Like if we're all screaming (laughs) that we want, agency for Brittany if she wants to use her agency in that way I don't know but I just need like a better read on him because also like in the last couple days I guess this is all over the place in the last couple days I had never thought I'll admit like I've been loosely following the free Brittany movement but I have not been in in the trenches you know and I didn't know that Jamie Lynn was a part of it I didn't know that Jamie Lynn had like control or anything. Like I know her dad, Jamie and her mom, Lynn, which why would they do that to their kid, by the way? Why would the they do that to their kid? Also not the first one, the second one. Yeah. But um, I didn't know that her little sister 
was also a part of the madness and like controlling finances and all that stuff. I'm actually, I would, I would put myself maybe one to two steps further into the the free Britney movement. Um, I was following Mm -hmm. some of the weird conspiracy theory things where they were like asking her to wear yellow if she needed help. And then she would show up like two days later on Instagram wearing yellow Um, or like, you know, looking into that kind of stuff. I was very curious about that also missed all the stuff about Jamie Lynn. It wasn't until I saw a meme that showed like Brittany with various snakes and Jamie Lynn being in that meme that I was like, wait, what's happening here? And at the very least, she's complicit in allowing it to continue to happen. Um, But at worst, she's benefit, like she's a beneficiary of this. And what it feels like to me is even if I think in other circumstances, I have felt like Jamie Lynn has had her back and she has been supportive, Mm -hmm. at least in the public eye. But I feel like access to that much money will corrupt you in those circumstances. And you could probably be convinced and in some sort of way, like, oh, this is better for her. She can't deal with this money and I'll just take it. <laughs> like that seems normal. Um, yeah. It'd be really, really difficult to have some sort of uh, conscience about that um, and, and go against the grain, especially if the rest of your family and everybody around her is, is using that same pool of money too. Totally. Yeah, just it's all just so murky. And to me right now, it's appearing that the boyfriend is the only person in her life that she can trust for the most part, other than not even other than like, and that's even suspect. Like, we don't even know right. the guy's real intentions. I don't know. And supporting her getting out of the conservatorship, which I feel yeah. like. I, I feel like is a net positive, like let a human mm-hmm. being grown woman who has demonstrated that she is capable of. And it like seems a- like from what we've seen from her son's social media, which have now been like scrubbed, it seems like they're aware of the issues here and they're aware of the controlling and the, the fact that the conservatorship is no bueno. And so then I would put her kids in her, camp and also like you know what I was reading a couple days ago from that Instagram account house and habit I was like reading some stuff that she had about Kevin Federline for the most part every account of Kevin Federline other than like being a little like money hungry has been that he's kind of like a stand-up guy for the most part like every account like just shows that he's like a really good dad like all his exes have good things to say about him now like so hopefully maybe he could be kind of in her corner because I'm sure she has to communicate with them a lot if she's like able to co-parent. But again, we don't even know the capacity of her parenting. She doesn't have custody, I don't think. Right. I think she gets, at least from what I've read, at least for a long time, it's just been like hours here and there or like- Yeah, like some visitation. Know, yeah. The other thing that I read that has been haunting me that I read on Dumois is that apparently she reached out to Lindsay Lohan like years ago. Um, and, and the interpretation is that Brittany knew it was too late for Brittany to get out of her conservatorship, but she was trying to warn Lindsay to not oh sign anything because they were considering something similar for Lindsay. And she was trying to warn her not to sign anything and was asking for additional, like, can you, can someone on your team try to help me here? Um, and it sounds like they weren't able to like connect. And so 
there, there wasn't anything that could be done then or whatever. And, and of course, I think Lindsay had her own things going on. So I'm not sure people had extra mm. bandwidth to like reach over to Brittany. But um, oh my goodness, it, it makes me so sick. It like haunts me that she has been in this situation and she's someone who's a perfectionist and who, you know, like she's been told, as she said in her statement, that for publicity sake, she just needed to go to rehab and she just needed to go, you know, do all these mm-hmm. things. And like, then this will be not over, but like they, they kind of would put these carrots in front of her of like, here's the thing you need to do next. And this is the right next thing to do. And here we are 13 years later. And she's finally realizing I don't have to live this way anymore. And also this isn't yeah. fair. And I'm going to sue my whole family. And when I was reading about her suing her family, I literally was nodding my head. Yes. Like at two in the morning in my bed, like, yes, sue yes your family. And her comment about how, um, by her, like no one wanted her to talk about what was going on. And by her not talking about it, it was her saying it was okay because they can continue to get away, get away with it. And she wasn't going to stand for that anymore. And I was Mm -hmm. like legitimately cheering in my bed for Brittany. Like I was to be able to sue her family, (laughs) sue everybody and be able to speak for herself. Mm -hmm. 100%. And that kind of brings me to something else that I wanted to talk about. I had not thought about this until I listened to um, Juliet Littman's interview yesterday on the Jam Session podcast. Um, And she was interviewing one of the people who were like integral in the Hulu documentary, like the New York Times. She's a New York Times reporter. And she was like in the courtroom during the Zoom call. She's like one of the 10 press that were allowed in. And she had like a couple things. I don't know if anybody else caught that podcast. It's a really good one. But she was saying a couple of things that were striking about the, the lawyer side of this. So first of all, she said that they were all watching a screen. Everybody in the courtroom was watching a screen and it had all the lawyers on it and you could see all their faces. Brittany goes in and she's audio only. So you don't see her face and, but you could see all the other attorneys. And I think that she said that there were like 13 attorneys or something. Like there were a lot of people in on this case. And then Brittany's parents were also there audio only, like their face wasn't on. But she says that watching the attorneys listen to Brittany talk, like there was no sympathy. There was nothing like they were all and maybe that's a legal strategy, but they were all like trying to be super, super like stoic and just like emotionless listening to her say all this. But she said that she was like able to see kind of times where they were, you know, like, oh, crap, she's talking. Um, Mm. So that was kind of notable to me. And then also she raised a couple good points about like the legality of everything and how abnormal this whole thing is because normally in any other situation, if a person, whether it's a woman through a divorce proceeding or a child through some kind of custody thing, or literally any, any other situation, someone says in front of a judge, I'm being abused immediately. They stop and they take that person out of the situation so they could at minimum investigate. So they could at at minimum be like, oh, you're claiming here under oath in my court that you're being abused. I'm going to put a stop to that right now so we can at least like investigate, see if those claims are valid and then do something. But there's like the woman who's been following this case for forever was saying that there's not really any oversight in these 
um, in these cases and in these situations, like there's not that much like precedent for what to do with like adults in conservatorships. And of course, like there's no real precedent for this Britney Spears thing. Like, I think the only comparable one is like Brian Wilson, like long ago, there's that documentary or not documentary, like that movie where it talks about like his conservatorship and stuff. Um, but like, there's no real precedent for this because Britney's like, you know, incomparable, but the fact that any judge and Britney had even said, like, I said all these things in 2019 and nothing changed. And now she's standing in front of a judge again saying, I'm being abused. I'm being drugged. I'm being worked. Like when I don't want to be, I'm being forced to work. Like my dad is getting like pleasure out of like forcing me around. Like I'm comparing this to sex trafficking. And the fact that a judge wasn't like, okay, because at minimum, the judge could have at least said, I'm going to put a third party in this because the whole thing is like, there's a conflict of interest. The judge or like the court has the power to like appoint her like an attorney, but like Brittany doesn't even know. She didn't even know until recently that she could file to like appeal her, um, her conservatorship. That's what she said. And her attorney's job is to let her know that she does have these rights, that she can appeal, that she can petition to, um, to end it. But she didn't know that because her attorney, her attorney that's getting paid to her attorney that she said all this stuff. He was like, Oh, I, I, the reports were that he looked really shocked after she left that Mm -hmm. of course he was shocked because he hasn't told her anything (laughs) he's surprised she knew stuff yeah and her his job he's being paid like six million a year his job is to inform his client of these things but he's so wrapped up in in the whole conspiracy of it all where he's not even informing his client of the basic bare minimum if you want this to end, then you can. And their blanket statement to the press and to like the T, like the free Britney movement and the documentary has always been like, Britney's aware of what's going on and she could end it. Like she could petition to end the conservatorship if she so choose, like if she choose to do so. And now she's saying, I wasn't aware that I was even able to do this. So the whole thing, throw them all in jail, throw them all in jail, throw them all in jail. All of them, all of them. Oh my gosh. Make sure they never work again. And special yes. like social shame for Jamie Spears. It mm-hmm. should be illegal. I like, I mean, they, they need, when I was thinking about Brittany, I was thinking about all the other like tragic family, like child stars mm-hmm. and, and all the things that happened. So I think about like the drugging and stuff with Michael Jackson or even Prince or. And like um, Macaulay Culkin and all that, like. Yes, the but there's so many child actors who get um like uh I can't remember what I was listening to but oh it was um the stuff you should know or you're wrong about it's the you're wrong about podcast they were talking about Princess Diana and they were talking about how fame is abuse like it it is it is a form of abuse you basically and especially for like the royal family they like basically their whole life is to live in a zoo and Mm -hmm. that's it like that's their whole life and how that level of fame is abusive and traumatic to everybody. And, and some people maybe are better handle it, better at handling it. But as we've seen people who reach that level of fame, like, and I know there's a meme that says like, the older I get, the more I re- like understand why Britney shaved her head or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the older I get and the more that I think about my life, I think about like the in- insane amount of pressure she was under. And okay, and this is me like pretending that I'm cool for just like two seconds. My husband and I, we've been YouTubing for literally like <laughs> three weeks. 
we have like four videos out and we have been getting some like negative feedback. Of course, the majority of it's positive or whatever, but there are some trolls or some people who are angry and all of it comes directed at me. None of it comes to my husband. And it's helpful to me because then I'm thinking like, I like I have a husband there to like reflect and say, okay, well, they're not going to him. So this actually probably says more about other people than it does about me because I know I'm not the giant idiot they're insinuating. So mm-hmm. like when I think about like just that small nugget of like the feedback that you get from the public and then you think about how insanely blown up it was at Brittany at that time when she, like every magazine, everybody wanted her to fail. Everybody wanted to see her have a, have a breakdown and everyone was expecting way too much of her. Um, they were putting so much sexual shame onto her and like somehow completely missing it off of Justin Timberlake. And like the, the rage that I feel about how much she was put through during that time, like I, I feel like I would have done so many of the same things. Like I, I literally think, because I, I also had friends in high school who like were feeling like, um, I grew up in Oregon, a little bit more hippie. And they, I had multiple friends who cut off all their hair because they felt like their hair was too much tied to, to what people expected them to be from like mm-hmm. a feminine perspective. Um, and they just wanted to take more control over how people were perceiving them. And like so much of what I see or what I look back about what Brittany went through seems like honestly a very normal reaction to an insane amount of pressure like the paparazzi never leaving her alone people claiming all the time that like everything every little thing she does is terrible and she couldn't retreat like there there are bloggers yes. famous people now like Chrissy Teigen went through difficult times and she was able to retreat you weren't following her outside her house they weren't like watching her she got gas for her car they like and, and you know the level of fame is different but it's also a different time and Brittany like was never ever ever left alone yeah. Like she couldn't have escaped to like Wyoming or anything. Like they just would have found her. Right. And also like papar- paparazzi culture back then was so different too. And like there- the way that like money changes people, like the money that people could get for one single photo of Britney Spears would be less mm-hmm. changing. So they can, they can, you know, you can do all sorts of mental gymnastics. I think it's not that big of a deal and it's a big benefit to me. So I'm just going to do it. Yes. <sighs> it's all like so nauseating and I feel like every time I take a look at myself and like my consumption of celebrity culture because like I mean I grew up during this whole time like I I'm 26 now so when Brittany like shaved her head I was in middle school and just like it was every like piece of the culture was all Brittany, Paris, Lindsay. And like, I remember even being as, hopefully this isn't like too dark, but like it's dark. Even like in 2007, I would like open up my computer, like ready to go on MySpace or whatever. And I would see, we had like the AOL like landing page because it was like back then. And they'd have like the top news stories. Every single time I opened it up, I like expected to see like Britney Spears found dead. And it was like, I feel like it was shortly after like the Michael Jackson thing. Like I like fully expected it almost every time. Like I vividly remember sitting down and like reading something about Britney Spears and just thinking like, okay, surely like the rest of this headline is going to say like found dead or something horribly dark, like post like head shaving. And 
and we all just kind of like accepted it in a way like, oh, yep, like this is a train wreck for our consumption. Even as a young kid, I knew like, okay, this is just like my consumption. And one day I'm just going to open up my computer and it's going to say that that to you is like found dead. Okay. And I think there's an element of it that people love to see the destruction of people who are accomplishing amazing things. Brittany Mm -hmm. was absolutely everything. She was the number one pop star. She was gorgeous. She was charming and sweet. And literally like, you know, if you, if you, no one has anything actually negative to say about Brittany if you've been in an interaction with her. Like she -hmm. is known to be a very, very kind person. And I feel like, like when people are accomplishing big things, we as a, as a consumer often think like, oh, well, that's what you get for like partying too hard and like moving too far in the fast lane. You, you, you flew too close to the sun. So this is what you deserve. Or like, like exactly what you're saying, like you just expected it. Now her spiral was like, like the, the narrative around her was so intense. But yeah. I think that's similar for so many people. I think Lindsay Lohan is in a similar situation. I think for a long time, Paris Hilton was in a similar situation where we put so much at these people and, you know, we watch them continue to make what actually seem like normal responses to trauma and like difficult pressure. And, and we just kind of sit back and like wait and laugh and like think it's funny. Well, and also like not to get too deep into like feminist theory or anything, because <laughs> I'm just not educated enough, but like it is kind of wild to watch that there is no capacity really for a female comeback. The only one I could really right. think of is Winona, Winona Ryder. That's the only person that I could think of that has like fallen from grace and then has like reemerged and everyone's been like, she's back and we're all going to celebrate her and she's okay. And we're like, not going to talk about the old thing anymore. And if we do talk about it, then we're going to be celebrating how far she came. But like, we have like Robert Downey Jr. And we have, I mean, like Hugh Grant, like the list goes on and on of people who have had these horrible train wrecks and horrible, like just lists of bad behavior, but there's no capacity for a female comeback. I cannot think of one. Like if, if Lindsay Lohan tries to come out with a movie, that's like, it's going to be like on Lifetime and it's going to be like group watched to be like, can no, you believe this? Like a Netflix, like Christmas movie. Like, yeah. But like, do you maybe, think that anyone's going to watch it for any other reason other than like spectation? Like, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. No, I will say I read Mariah Carey's recent book. I don't think I was like fully aware of like when they kind of narrated around her downfall, which I guess was like, she went on TRL one day with Carson Daly and he, she did like a, a prank and they like, he like pretended that she was insane and it was awful. And they treated her terribly. Like she came was in. Was it the like, ice cream one? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. They treated her like she was insane. And then she had like a really big meltdown and they like critically panned glitter. And there was all these things because her team was not letting her stop. And her ex-husband was being terrible. She did make a comeback, but she also, is still extremely tainted by the experiences. Yeah. Like she, it's not like a Winona Ryder situation where we literally like forget collectively that all that happened. Mm-hmm. She's, and and I think part of her charm is that she started to poke fun at herself a little bit more. And so people can kind of poke fun a little bit with her and then enjoy like the campiness of the Christmas and you know, whatever. True. Um, but true, I, true. I, I think she has she has made a good argument for like trying, but you're she she didn't come back scot free like when yeah. I did. Or all and also I just don't think that the fall was as 
great. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's like it was all like horrible stuff, but I don't think it was anything However, like irredeemable. That's true. But it, I think it's all a matter of like perception because her label yeah. like paid her a bunch of money to like get off the label. Like there mm-hmm. was a time I think when everyone thought she was totally over. And I think she's just a resilient, like smart businesswoman who, I don't know. I also, um, I, what would I we do without you as our resident Mariah Carey stan? I'm gonna like I this was about Brittany, but now it's about Mariah. Um, there was mm. one, <laughs> there was one interview that I saw with um, uh, Nick Cannon where he was talking. He was trying to cheer up Pete Davidson after the breakup with Ariana, and he said something like, "Oh, don't worry. Pretty soon she'll be like a psychotic, washed-up singer who like can't sing anymore or something." And it's always bothered me because how dare you, Nick Cannon? And also Mr. Fathering yeah. your children in a, in a year. Like, but no one gives him crap about it. Like, I mean, yeah. people are giving him crap, but he's still not going to lose any street credit. He's not going to lose any job. Like he's like, still like, going to be the gonna... host of Masked Singer or whatever he is, or America's <laughs> Got Talent. Like he's not, like, yeah, like he's fathered four children in one year. But yeah, but yeah no, he's a wholesome family guy. I don't know, right. real quick before our time runs out. What what is your overarching theory about what's happening with Instagram? With Britney's Instagram? Yeah. We don't Gosh, think that Britney's um, actually touching it, right? No, 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 no. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> no, and I'm not sure what to make of the post she put up a couple days ago about like, I'm, like, I, I'm glad I'm finally saying what I want to say. I'm not sure. I feel like that was just damage control from her team saying, okay, we already know these because all the, that caption did was kind of echo the sentiments, but kind of it ended on like a hopeful note. And like, I know that things will get better and whatever, but it was still typed like erratically. So I still feel like they're trying to be like, you know, look at her, like, look at Brittany. Like she's, she might sound coherent, but really when you like put a pen and paper in front of her, she like, can't really get it all down. And there's like ellipses and like, exclamation marks and like no capitals and stuff I think and when she said the lithium thing so many things clicked for me and number one was like the Instagram I'm like okay and also them like denying her self-care and everything where people might think that's kind of prissy but like it probably adds to her looking disheveled and she's on lithium she's twirling around with eyeliner all over her face and she can't even trust the therapist that she's forced to see multiple times a week that she has to physically go to another office to talk to. Yeah. They won't let him come to her house. So she has to be bombarded by the paparazzi. That's it's all so sick. So do you agree yeah. that's just the management manipulating everything on Instagram? It's, it's hard for me because as someone who has like professionally worked in social media, it's hard for me to accept that anyone would be okay putting out True. the content that she puts out there. Um, mm-hmm. So part of me is like, I mean, ah, I don't know. Like, I don't, I I truly don't know. I truly don't know. But I, well, and uh, also like I, a lot of times with people's social media, I'm like, even if they do have like, if it's a average celebrity with like a, a personable Instagram story and stuff, there's no way that they're the only hands in the account. That's Mm -hmm. never going to happen. Every influencer you follow has a team behind them. And yeah, so so like Britney, but like to think that Britney's like not allowed to drive in a car with her boyfriend, but she's allowed to talk to like 60 million people. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's not, it's, it, it's lo- logically doesn't check out. 
So I think like from this point forward, we could all kind of like keep an eye on the Instagram, but don't ever take it as gospel. Take it as evidence, you know? Yeah. Like, don't be like, oh, like, hey, well, this is what Brittany is saying right now. Everything should just be looked at through the lens of this is what Brittany's camp is saying right now. The account for Britney Spears, this is what they're saying right now. Never Britney Spears said, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm outraged, but I'm glad that we talked it out. I'm glad that we talked it out. I feel better already. (laughs) I I do feel a little bit better. Michelle, where can everybody find you online? Everybody really does need to follow your new adventure because it is so fun. They packed up everything. They sold it all and they moved to Portugal, not in like a bucket list family way, but in like a stable, (laughs) um, like nice uh like they're really like doing fun things with their life kind of way um and like they're not exploiting any babies in this whole thing um yeah they they sold everything moved to portugal where can they follow you to go watch your portuguese adventure uh you can follow us at at honeymoon always um and i know since if you're listening to this podcast you're probably cool and chill and fun so if you want to interact with me so i don't feel like i'm like shouting into the void that'd be awesome um at honeymoon always and then we have an instagram account or um, a youtube channel that is also Honeymoon Always, um, where we're talking a lot about kind of our travels in um, Portugal right now, but we're going to be talking more about, uh, we're going to be able to travel more to like other European countries and stuff. Plus we'll be back in the United States about twice a year doing more travel there too. So I'm um, talking more about like the business of owning a website and traveling and all those types of things and then kind of our lives in Portugal. So follow along and um, be my friend. Michelle, I heard that you mentioned um, travel in the United States. Can I just recommend Las Vegas, Nevada? <laughs> we, you know, the last we have, time I came to Las Vegas, I missed you by like hours. Do you remember literally that? makes me want to puke. Makes me <laughs> want to puke. Anyway, thank you, Michelle. All right. And now we will go on to our next segment. Thank you so much. Okay. Now it's uh, just me. It's just me. If I was more organized, I would have, you know, planned these segments in advance when I talked to Michelle on Saturday and, you know, would have been prepared and like could have chatted with Michelle about them. But also she's probably low on time. She just moved, you know, out of the country and she's on a European adventure. So you just get me, but we do have a couple things to chat about today. Number one, not really in like the pop culture, uh, sphere per se, but I would definitely say that if you are on the internet, which you all are, Um, I'm assuming, unless you've stumbled upon this podcast in some weird, unfortunate way. And if so, just, I'm giving you permission to, uh, turn it off because it might not be like your cup of tea, you know, halfway through, halfway through the podcast, you now have permission to, uh, turn it off. Anyway, but if you're on the internet, I would assume that you have, I I would say that 90, 99.9% of you have been approached by um, an MLMer, an MLMer, a multi-level marketing pyramid schemey pitch. You've gotten one in your inbox, and I was talking to my friend the other day about it. Who she's really like not on the internet that much. Jealous of that. The the, the strength, the the strength and the um, the self control it must require to be somebody that just like doesn't live on their phone I I could not relate um and I'm jealous of that energy every time someone is like that to me but I referenced how annoying it is when I get approached for MLMs all the time 
And she was so confused. And I said, here it is. There's about three different pitches of MLMs that you'll see. There, there are three MLM pitches that you will meet in hell. When you get denied at the pearly gates and go straight to hell, these three MLM pitches will be there waiting for you. Um, and I described them to her. And now I'm going to just kind of give the rundown to you guys, which, I mean, you're probably aware. But I did learn recently that one of them might just be kind of like location, location specific because I get approached all the time in this one way. Um, but it seems like a lot of my other friends are like, hey, Mary, Las Vegas must be a crazy place because that doesn't happen to me where I live. So here it is. The three MLM pitches that you'll meet in hell. First of all, there's the cold message. The cold message is probably the one in like the first circle of hell. Like if I have to get approached by an MLM once a day, which I I don't think my average is once a day, but probably three to four a week. I'm getting three to four MLM pitches in various forms a week. This is probably the one that I would prefer because you don't really have to do anything. And that's the cold message. The cold message, it comes up in your Instagram requests or you get like a random Facebook ad or something and then you get a message which 99.9% of the time will begin with, hey girl, did you answer before I even said it? In your mind, you were probably like, oh, she's going to say, hey girl, because they all start with, hey girl, hey girly, or hey there with like the wavy emoji. And the hey there's are normally from like the older people that want to try to get you to sign up and join their like Mary Kay team. And you're like, whoa, Mary Kay. Didn't know that was still kicking. But then like you're slightly tempted by like the little pink Mercedes that they give them. Um, not tempted in a real way where you would join, but you know, what would be nice to have like a pink, a pink vehicle. But anyway, there's the cold message. It just pops up every now and again. And they're so easy. If I had to choose one method of these, I, I would choose this one because you see it and then you just throw it away. You look at their profile. If you're feeling petty, you can like dig through their followers list for a second um, and, you know, see how many like fake followers they've purchased, which really you just need just like five seconds to ascertain if somebody is purchasing their followers or not, um, which I would say, you know, advise against. Other than my very lucrative po podcasting career, I work in social media. And let me just say that uh, purchasing followers is never the move. Just FYI. But um, you, if you're feeling petty, just look through their followers. But, you know, really, you don't need to do anything but just throw those messages in the trash. If you look at it, it starts with, hey, girly. Let your eyes roll to the back of your head and just click it away. But then the second pitch which we're moving into like seventh circle of hair of hell territory is um the in-person pitch i get one of these probably once a week if not more i do recognize that my statistic or my average for that is a little bit higher than uh the usual person because i am out of my house often at um you know breeding grounds for mlm bad choices to be made and that place that I'm referring to is the park I take my children and meet up with my friends or whatever at the park at least once a day not because I'm a good mom but because like if I stay inside my house like I'll go crazy and I don't want to be um you know inside 
with uh, three kids, four and under, all day long. Um, so I do go to the park often. And they're at the park without fail, at least once a week. Somebody comes up to me. And I'm the perfect candidate for their for their agenda. You know, I give them an in. I have, as I mentioned a second ago, three kids. Everyone thinks that their kids are cute. I also think that my kids are cute. I have three cute kids who are outgoing and social. And that normally gives them an in. Like that normally gives like the MLM person an in because they like see me. I'm normally like sweaty with my children and then they come up to me and they'll be like, oh, your baby is a baby. How old is that baby? Oh, your toddler is a toddler. How old is your toddler? I have met a toddler before. And that's that's their in, right? And sometimes people are genuinely just nice, but more often than not, we'll be talking for five minutes or so. And in my mind, I always have the ticker. I always have the ticker going in the back of my mind saying, Okay, Mary, they're going to ask you what you do for work. They are going to ask you what you do for work. And then the countdown begins. The countdown begins the second that they say, so what do you do for work? Or even better, so what does your husband do for work? Um, and then immediately the sirens sound in my brain. It's about 45 seconds from that moment where someone says, Oh, really? Your husband's an engineer? That is so cool. Oh, you work from home? Oh, that's so nice. Um, Yeah. Whenever I say that I work from home, that normally stumps them for a second because their pitch is to make me work from home. Um, And I already do that. But if I say I work from home, they go, oh, well, what does your husband do? Oh, okay. He's an engineer. Wow. Yeah. um, My husband does work, but we're meeting with some financial coaches. The ones in person are always Amway. The thing that they're trying to sell you is Amway. They always have a friend. They've always just met somebody who is mentoring them, who is giving them the chance to mentor them. And they're saying, oh, they're, they're these wealth coaches. And my husband's working with them now. Or me and my husband are working with them now. We're starting our own business. And we're really excited for our financial freedom. The second you hear the words financial freedom, and it's not um somebody like, at your door with a giant check, like telling you that you've won the lottery, you need to run immediately. You're not meeting up with this person ever again. This person is going to try to get you to join them at Panera Bread. They're going to try to get you to join them at Dutch Bros, like outside and just kind of like meet their mentor friend and like get the opportunity to meet this cool person who like retired at like 27 and now their family travels the world and they bought an RV or they've gone to like, I don't know, the Disney Resort in Hawaii or something. They always have like some cool um, story about these like wealth coaches they don't have stories of their own because they're trying to build their team at the park. But anyway, the second you hear financial freedom, wealth mentor, wealth coach, you need to close that conversation down immediately. I have been friendly before, but again, this happens to me like once once a week or so. Again, the average. But what, what if we just call it four, four to five times a month? That would probably be more honest, right? Um you got to look for your exit strategy immediately. If you have children with you and this happens, you're in luck. But if you don't have children with you, I 
don't really know how you get out of that um, situation. So if you know, let me know. Let me know. But typically, this only happens to me when I'm with my children. I will say, though, my patience has gone, has grown thin of these people because, again, it happens all the time. I was at Albertsons the other day, a store that I normally don't like to go to because it's overpriced and whatnot. But um, I was there. And I have seen on my, like, local neighborhood Facebook group, one of my, like, many Facebook groups I'm in, one of, like, the 450-something Facebook groups I'm in, I've seen in my local Facebook group that there are MLL, MLM people who prey on people at the Albertsons Grocery in my neighborhood. And I was there, and I was just with two of my kids. My other kid was at preschool. I was with two of my kids. This guy comes up to me immediately. The sirens are sounding. The fireworks are going off saying, Mary, run. Do fi- Fireworks don't really cue people. I don't know why I said fireworks. But anyway, this guy approaches me. Immediately, I know this is a guy that I've heard about in Mountain Sedge Mama's Facebook group. He's going, oh, wow, adorable kids. How old? I go, um, uh, two and a baby under a year. I'm not really being friendly, friendly to this person. And he continues to stalk me around the produce section. And I'm just like grabbing what I need. He's still talking to me. Oh, do you live around here? Yeah. How long have you been in the area? Yeah, we really like this area. Yeah, me and my wife. Yeah, we love this area. Yeah. Uh, So, so do you work around here? What brought you out here? And he's again stalking me through the produce section. So I stop him. And I'm only telling the story because I'm like oddly proud of myself. And this was like a burst of confidence I normally don't have when communicating with strangers because I want everyone to like me. But I just looked at him and I just wigged out for a second. Because again, he had, he's snaking through the aisles with me. And I just said, hey, stop. You're a stranger. I don't need to talk to you. You're not entitled to my time. That was a line that I was really proud of. You're not entitled to my time. It's one that I had been working on in my head for one of these situations and then like it just flew out of me like it it poured out of me and I was so excited um you're not entitled to my time what if this was your wife what if this was your wife being stalked through the grocery store with your kids what if this was your wife and kids and he was just like standing there like oh no I'm just just being friendly oh I didn't mean anything I'm just being friendly and I'm like okay well I'm gonna go I'll good luck bye why is that good luck to him I don't know because I don't want him to have I mean if he wants to go have financial freedom by himself, more power to him. But if he needs to like implicate everybody at the Albertsons grocery in order to get his financial freedom, I don't want him to have good luck. Anyway, so the out that I'm giving you all for the in-person pitch is just the words, you're not entitled to my time. There you go. You're welcome. That one's free. The next one will cost you. Just kidding. I'll tell you the next one. The next one, the third pitch that you'll meet in hell is the most unfortunate one. We've all fallen for it. It's a stereotypical message that you get from someone that you haven't talked to in a while. I feel like I don't even have to describe this one, but like you haven't talked to them in a while. And then yet again, the countdown begins. The countdown begins and you're wondering when this person is going to cut to the chase. And I often on my Twitter screenshot these messages when it's a somebody random and it's just like, hey, Mary, long time no see. How's it going? Wow. 
your family's grown. Wow, it's been so long since high school. Whoa, how long has it been since Provo? Whatever. The timer begins literally the second that they message you. If you're not, if you haven't initiated conversation with this person, they want something from you. And then just like the countdown begins. And then, yeah, sure enough, three to four messages in, the conversation then turns to, so what are you guys doing for work right now? I actually just started this new company. And we all know that like they don't own their own businesses. So like we don't have to establish that, right? Like like that people in MLMs like do not own their own businesses. Um, you just wait for them to cut to the chase. And I get very frustrated if they're not cutting to the chase within three to four messages. And at this point, I just stop talking. And then you will get doubled messaged. 99, not not even 99. I keep using that that percentile. 100% of the time, if you're talking back and forth with someone and then you just cut them off, but like they're trying to like pitch you, they're going to double message you and they're just going to be like, I'm so glad that we reconnected. I just wanted to tell you about this great new product. They're like these wraps and I saw that you had a baby. So like I'm assuming that like your stomach probably is disgusting. So just use these like it works wraps and then like your stomach won't be like as disgusting. And then maybe like your husband will sleep with you like one more time. Then you can have another baby. That's where the pitch normally leads. (sighs) That was a dramatic example. But you know, the implication is there. The implication is definitely there. So anyway, if you have encountered an MLM pitch of note tell me because I want to hear about it and if you haven't lucky you lucky you um there's just a few more things I wanted to talk about really fast it's just a watch suggestion this is what you should watch this week HBO came out with a show called Starstruck I cannot stop talking about it And it came at the perfect um, time in my life because, guys, I was descending into Bo Burnham madness. I, every, once a year, once a year, I will find something that I like, a celebrity that I like, whose work I've liked, and I will cling to that person for dear life. I will go down the deepest the deepest of YouTube rabbit holes for this person. I will watch every interview. I will follow everyone they know on social media. I'll add them to my Twitter, my nightly Twitter search uh, rotation. My friends have told me that my nightly Twitter search rotation could be, um, you know, better done by just a Google alert. But I enjoy my method of taking like four or five honeys that I have just in my brain. Um, Robert Pattinson daily search I've been searching him every night not every night but you know a couple times a week for years just to see what he's up to just to see what he's up to we'll get to him in a minute um unless like other people I throw Leonardo DiCaprio in the mix sometimes Alexander Skarsgård is in the mix sometimes Adam Driver's in the mix sometimes I love to look up and see like what Reese Witherspoon is doing sometimes Silver Sarah Silverman I look her up like twice a week so my faves and I had added Bo Burnham into my search And I was descending into madness until last week I heard about the show Starstruck on HBO. And it's one of those like British shows where kind of like Catastrophe and um, I cannot believe that I'm forgetting the name of it. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. This is disgusting that I'm forgetting the name of the show. The Hot Priest. 
Oh my goodness. Okay, you guys know what show I'm talking about. Can't believe that I'm forgetting it. But you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and now this is going to piss me off. I'm going to stop recording real quick and look it up. Can't believe I'm doing this. Fleabag. I deserve to be punched in the face. The show is called Fleabag. I cannot believe that that name escaped my mind even for a moment. Anyway, it's a show in the same vein as Fleabag and Catastrophe and stuff where they're just short things that should be movies. Six episodes. They're like 22 minutes long. You could knock it all out literally in a day or a night or anything, whatever. It was so good. The world needs more rom-coms. And this was the perfect vehicle to deliver me everything that I needed in a rom-com. A great lead. The lead of this show. Rose Matafeo. And you will notice that, yes, I did just cut the audio real quick to Google and make sure I had her last name right. And I knew that I did have it right. But then I like was starting to panic thinking that I didn't. Rose Matafeo. An icon. Amazing. Amazing. I need to watch her stand up because I really liked her. And she like wrote the show, created the show, did everything. Um, she is so funny. She's so beautiful and probably has like some of the best skin I've ever seen. Beautiful. I love just watching her. So so the, this romantic comedy had everything that I needed in romantic comedy. Beautiful, great, endearing, funny lead who was smart and was never like the damsel in distress. This girl was always like commanded, in command of her own life. She was assertive. I loved her. I loved her. I loved watching her. She was great. Second, handsome lead. Handsome lead. This is where I'm going with my Bo Burnham thing. This man has saved me from falling into Bo Burnham madness. Because just for the week, I'm just adding him into my nightly rotation. Um, Nikesh Patel, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm also in love with my husband. Let me, uh, like, you know, like, let the record show that. But he is one of my honeys of the moment. Um, Nikesh Patel, a beautiful man. And he was so good in the show. Everybody in the show, on their ang- on their A game, Minnie Driver is randomly in the show for like one scene. But ever- other than that, like you've never seen any of these people before. Um, and the concept is another thing that I need in a great rom-com. You know, a great concept, which is like important for a movie. The concept is this guy and a girl have a one night stand on New Year's Eve. And um, they were both like a little drunk. But like consent was given, everything, whatever. Don't know why I felt like I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Everything was great in this fictional TV show. But um, she wakes up and realizes that he is actually a celebrity, which sounds like cheesy fan fiction, which, again, means it's like right up my alley. Like, I love, I love, um, I was about to say, like, I love fan fiction. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I love any kind of cheesy, um, like, the guy loves the girl way more than the girl loves the guy kind of story. And this checks all of the boxes he's a celebrity she wants nothing to do with him because he's a celebrity and it is so cute and so funny so funny and i need everyone in my life to watch it and fall in love with the with both of the leads as well um because they've added a lot of joy a lot of joy to my life and then just the last thing that i wanted to talk about was something that i decided to start doing on the i just want to chat uh instagram page Really trying to get that engagement up on there. So make sure to follow us on at I Just Want to Chat Podcast on Instagram. 
And I'm going to do something every Wednesday called a Wednesday wish because alliteration. And this is just something that I thought every week we could just collectively manifest something together. Um, And I have a couple themes in mind, but the first one was I wanted to know what everybody's top pop culture wish of the moment is. And again, no dream was too big. Number one, I, I wrote down three. Number one, I wrote justice for Britney because like obviously as that is a given. Um, number two, in the year 2022, I need Robert Pattinson, one of the honeys of my life, to host Saturday Night Live. He's said that he's wanted to do it before. I truly thought that we were going to get it last year, you know, like before like there was a pandemic. I really thought that last year was going to be the year and we were going to get it for Tenant. But something happened. So, th- something happened last year and there was no Saturday Night Live and really no Tenant. We all need to go back and revisit Tenant. It's a good movie. Um, but I need him to host it when he's promoting Batman next March. The world needs it. I think that a lot of problems could be solved with Robert Pattinson um, hosting gig. And in my dreams, Kristen Stewart would come back. Because, like, you know how sometimes when someone's from, like, a notable franchise, they'll make the whole monologue about that. And then, like, they'll have, like, people in the audience, like, stand up and be like, yeah, I have a question. You know, the the traditional SNL monologue where it's like, I'm going to ask a couple questions. And, like, he'll ask the first one to Kenan Thompson. And the guy will be like, the guy, Kenan, will be like, hey, can I borrow your car or something stupid? And then the next person in my dream would be like Kristen Stewart just standing up. And then it'd be like a minute of clapping, including me at home. And then, um, and then to just ask her a quirky question, then we get to see them together again. So that is my pop culture wish. And then finally, my third pop culture wish that I'm going to be manifesting. And I have been manifesting it for years is, um, just a quality Hamilton film, film adaptation and how beautiful would it be? This is a wish. Would it be if it was directed by Baz Luhrmann? Just think about it for a second. Just think. I know that the world does not agree about The Great Gatsby. I know that the jury is out on The Great Gatsby. I know that there are people in this world that think that Moulin Rouge is a senseless movie um, and question its creation. But I'm not one of those people. And, I mean, we can talk about Romeo and Juliet if you want to. A, a vision. A vision. Um, I think that Baz Luhrmann is the man for the job. Uh, what I want in a Hamilton film a- adaptation is a couple things. Number one, I want it to be colorful and bold and in your face. I want it to be... I want nothing about it to be, like, subdued. I don't want any... Um, I, I don't need like the Les Mis style close up. I don't want Tom Hooper involved in this in any way. Let the record show. Les Mis is one of my favorite movies of all times, but Tom Hooper then did Cats. He's not allowed to, to touch it. He's not allowed to see the movie. He's not even allowed to see the movie. Tom Hooper needs to stay away from this project. But I don't need any of the Les Mis style facial close ups. Um, I don't need anything intimate about the Hamilton musical. I need it to be in your face i need dancers i need the best dancers in the entire world and they can get them it's the freaking hamilton film adaptation hollywood is banging down its door they want it to happen 
Here is my dream cast list. Um, number one, Lin Manuel Miranda. He can be involved. He can um, he can produce if he wants to. He can um, he can help with casting. He can play um, Philip Schuyler Senior. Or he can um. Let's, let's think of other roles for him. I think that's about it. I think that the only role I'd want to see Lynn in is Philip Schuyler Sr. Unless he's like in the background somewhere. Because it would be nice. It would be nice to see Lynn in the background. That's like an Easter egg. Like Stephanie Meyer in Twilight. Like, you know, when she was sitting at that diner. But um, he's not allowed to play the lead. Um, but my dream cast includes... Really, I, I just have like four for my dream cast. Hear me out. I've said this idea on Twitter many times. So if you follow me there, it's not an original idea. I need Dwayne The Rock Johnson to play George Washington. Hear me out. We've all seen Moana. He does have the vocal chops to do it. He might need some training for one last time. That's okay. That's okay. He can train. He'll He'll be down for it. He's up for the challenge. But just imagine him. Imagine the George Washington intro in Hamilton. Cannons in the background. And again, this is Baz Luhrmann doing this, so it's going to be a spectacle. And the rock, the effing rock, just walking down a, a aisle of soldiers and cannons and ammunition and cool war stuff. Nothing about war is cool, but you know what I mean. Think about it. He's the right guy for the job. He's the right guy for the job. And then, obviously, we want Donald Glover. And I think that we want Donald Glover to be David Diggs. Again, hear me out. I don't know if they would do the double casting in the film adaptation. I don't know if the average Joe Schmo would understand the double casting. So, what I'm going to say is Donald Glover is going to play Thomas Jefferson. And then David Diggs, because we want him to be around. We love David. He can continue to play Lafayette. I would allow and encourage David Diggs to continue to play Lafayette. Donald Glover play Don, uh, Thomas Jefferson. How that will work out with the first number in the finale, I don't know. I'm not Baz Luhrmann. He's going to have to figure it out. Um, also, another one to hear me out on. brace yourself would anybody um would anybody else like to see uh drake see drake as a uh, james madison just D- just think about it just think about it knock that one around in your head and then last but not last but not least i want to see uh sasha baron cohen at it's uh king george think about that one you know it's right you know it's the right choice there will be the temptation to put james corden in that role there will be the temptation even to put Neil Patrick Harris in that role. There will even be the temptation to put, sorry, I just threw up a little bit, to put uh, Justin Timberlake in that role. But we don't want it. We do not want it. We want nor not want. We need. We need Sasha Baron Cohen to play King George. Okay, those were my three um, things that I was manifesting this last week. Some of my favorite ones that I saw in the comments. I'm just going to scroll through real quick. A lot of people second, a lot of people meaning like my friend Allison, uh, seconded my Hamilton wish. 
Um, wishes for Woodvale from my friend Crystal and from someone else. Yes, we do want the third Taylor Swift trilogy album, but whatever. I don't think we're ever going to get it. Um, Liz Malin wants the reboot of Benifer. Guess what, Liz? We're, we're granting wishes here on I Just Want to Chat. It's happening. I, I called up Ben and Jen. I asked them to get back together. They said yes. They did it for you. Um, my friend Allison wants Taylor Swift to get married and have a baby. And yes, I want that too because I need more Taylor Swift songs to relate to because it does not feel right to drive around my car and cry to champagne problems when I'm happily married. Um, Emily Kim wants a Mary-Kate and Ashley tell-all. Yes. We need it. We do need it. That is one of the best um, wishes that I've heard of so far. Nicole Keel wants a Parks and Rec rewatch podcast with Amy and Nick, a la The Office Ladies podcast. Yes, let's get it. Um, Amy Brooke Van Buren, co-host from last week, wants something scandalous to happen, but she wrote this uh, like the day that the Britney Spears thing came out. So, Amy, you're acting greedy or greedy B-word. Um, who is this? Sean Christensen. Oh, Sean Christensen. Um, needs Joaquin Phoenix to get closure after his brother River's passing in 1993, which I shouldn't laugh about, but, um, Joaquin Phoenix did name his, uh, baby River. Um, so there's that. And Alex Arndt, random follower Alex Arndt wants, uh, the new Indiana Jones movie to come out without delay and to be the end of the series that we all deserve. And I didn't even know that that was happening. So that's how in sync I am with my husband. I don't even know about his biggest pop culture wishes. Didn't even know that they were a thing. Anyway, everybody, thank you for listening to today's episode of the I Just Want to Chat podcast. I'm Mary. And you can go and follow us on Instagram at, at I Just Want to Chat podcast. Go join our Facebook group. It is so much fun. We talk all the time in there. There's been um, something that we will talk about next week. There's an influencer that we're all keeping our eyes on. And you know who I'm talking about. And we're probably going to chat about her next week. I'm trying to figure out a way to chat about her in a way that is not um, mean. Because I think that there's some level of a mental illness here that we're uh, dealing with. So I'm going to try to talk, tackle the, the subject of this influencer as gently as I can. But yes, we will be having a Burt Alamode conversation next week. So join our Facebook group to go get um, debriefed on it and get ready. And also go check out products by Lizzie and use the code. See how good I am at this, guys? I'm a really good podcaster. Use my code want to chat for 10% off your first products from products by Lizzie. And again, get the uh, vanilla cheesecake. You will thank me later. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'm Mary, and I'm so glad that we got to chat today. That's not a good way to end this podcast. I need to figure out a better outro. Okay, love you all. Bye.